My name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And, and we, we are, are the Extra Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to episode 28. And in this episode, we are going to be discussing the 1991 film with Robert De Niro by Martin Scorsese. Yes. Cape Fear. Now, some people might not consider this a horror movie, but in my opinion, thrillers, suspenseful movies, I'm going to hunt you down killer movies all are under the umbrella of horror so i actually need to bring something up right there right off the bat because this was kind of cool or actually not cool kind of messed up for us horror lovers but (laughs) there were steven spielberg martin scorsese and universal studios they were actually they made sure that fangoria was not allowed to interview anybody on the making of this movie because this was a thriller not a horror movie they did the same exact thing with Silence of the Lambs. They wanted nominations. Why is horror so frowned upon? It was amazing. It was amazing. Robert De Niro did amazing. Anthony Hopkins did amazing. Juliette Lewis. Joey Jessica Lang is in it. <laughs> All of these people did such amazing work. And I feel like they did better work because they're hunted by prey. They really need to reach down and find that yeah. than a regular drama. Yeah. But of course, everything. It can't be horror. Fangoria are not allowed in. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. I think that, like I said, when I... So this movie actually wasn't on our original schedule. No. A spot opened up. Yeah. And we were like, what should we fill it with? And I was like, have you ever seen Cape Fear? Like the 91? Because this is a remake. Yes. And I was really excited because, sadly, I watch a lot of horror. So I've seen most of the stuff on our list. So I was really excited because this is one of the few I hadn't seen. Right. And this is one that I actually, my parents were watching and I just sat down and watched the whole movie with them because I caught it at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And they were like, are you sure you want to watch this? It's pretty heavy. And I was like, bring it on. You know? Yeah, it's (laughs) fine. And it stuck with me as just such a gripping, compelling, sucks you in immediately kind of movie. And I was like, let's do Cape Fear because I just want to watch it, to be honest with you. And I think that it's a little different. It deviates from a slasher, a paranormal, a demon. Like it just is so different, but it still, like you said, digs at those same parts of the human experience. And First of all, you've got a superstar cast, too. Absolutely. And a top-notch production. The score, the very first thing in my notes is the music hit me, like slapped me right in the face with nostalgia because I hadn't thought about that music in so long, but mm-hmm. it ingrained itself into my brain when I heard it for the first time. And then when it came back, I, I just immediately was like, and, you know, <laughs> like it was so, I don't know, cathartic. And it was, I just... Well, I loved it so much and it just put me right back in that headspace of when I was a like young teenager seeing this movie for the first time and I was just into it immediately even in the opening credits and in the 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 blu-ray menu Mm -hmm. I was like "Ooh, get ready you know I was so excited for this movie and I'm glad you enjoyed it yeah Juliette Lewis and Robert De Niro did such a fucking amazing job it felt real it felt like this would actually happen mm-hmm. if not is actually happening and somehow we got this on film because it felt so awkward and creepy and like something that would really happen uncomfortable yes and the first thing i thought of was how did this not win how did it not get nominated okay i looked into it it yeah. did get nominated why did it not win it went up against silence of the lambs and honestly, and of course, the silence of the lambs. Yes, yeah, one. with Anthony Hopkins is gonna take it. And like he, he beat out him for best actor, and then the movie for best movie. It was it was just a bad pairing, or a great pairing. 
like a good year, but yeah. no wonder they didn't win. Yeah, they should have waited till 92. Yes. <laughs> also, you didn't warn me about the credits right in the beginning. I didn't remember the credits. <laughs> Literally right in the beginning, I'm getting something to drink, and I look over, and there's freaking big old eyeballs sitting on the TV screen. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> and then it happens at the end, too. It was just bad. It was a big eyeball movie. and It was. I did hate how jittery the film styling was. It took a while for me to get used to it. Oh, like yeah. it, it felt artsy, but also it's like really choppy in how things are edited. Yeah. It was weird. So this movie starts with a, you see a teenage girl talking about Cape Fear, which is a place. And it cuts to Robert De Niro's character, Max Cady, working out in his prison cell. And you see his body and he's super tatted up with all these like the scales of justice are huge on his back and these Bible verses yeah. about vengeance. And Which was vegetable dye, by the way. The tattoos? Like he was actually tattooed, but with vegetable dye, so it faded after a while. Oh, that's cool. Ew, no. They're getting cool. stabbed with like little needles and then it's not even going to stay. <laughs> all for the craft. <laughs> they looked real and they looked like real prison like poke and stick tattoos. Mm-hmm. And he's got this huge stack of books and he's getting released from prison that day. And then they ask him about his books and he's like, I already read them. And then it cuts to this nice, big, beautiful, sprawling Southern home. And this teenage girl comes out to meet their housekeeper. And the music has been very ominous this entire time. Mm -hmm. And then it cuts to her mom, which is Jessica Lang. And look at my nose. I was like, Jessica Lang. I love Jessica Lang. I know you do. And then it It sounded weird without her. Like, she had a little bit of an accent, but not a strong one. Like not an like American an American horse. horse. Yeah. It sounded so weird. Yeah. And her hair's all short, and mm-hmm. she's so young. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's weird. And Lee is the mom's name, and she's sitting with her dog. And she's, like, a designer or an artist or something, and she's doing some sketches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just talking to her daughter about her work. And then it cuts to dad, whose name is Sam coming out of the courthouse talking to a colleague so you've got a picture of the family now they have a 15 year old daughter Mm -hmm. and they have and her name is danielle they call her danny you've got the mom who is stay at home but she does have she does she has she works yeah at home some sort of artistic design type job Mm -hmm. and then you've got the father and the husband whose name is sam who is an attorney Mm -hmm. and and then it cuts to Max Katie again, Robert De Niro's character, at the movies. And he's smoking a cigar and he's just being the biggest asshole. Yeah. Like, I know in Curse of La Llorona, a little bit ago, we were just complaining about the theater. But he's literally <laughs> sitting back laughing as loud as he can and puffing on a cigar. And the family, all three of them, are right behind him. And they move mm-hmm. away from him. And then it – I don't know if they leave the theater early or if this just cuts to after the movie. Mm-hmm. But they're in this little diner. And you see that Max Katie is sitting outside in his convertible watching them. Mm-hmm. And the dad notices. And he notices that it's the same guy that was in the theater. And so he makes them sit inside. And then it cuts to Sam playing racquetball with a colleague. A colleague. <laughs> it is a colleague. But it's a colleague that really wants to um, sleep with him. Mm-hmm. Real bad. And she makes that pretty known. Mm-hmm. And you can tell they've had some sort of inappropriate relationship, but he's still, hand to God, says he hasn't slept with her. It's just been a suggestive relationship, basically. Yeah. And they have an awkward conversation about his wife and his wife not knowing she exists. And she gets kind of offended. And I'm like, 
you know what this is. Mm-hmm. Why would you be offended that she doesn't exactly. know you exist? It's And he's like, well, it's better if she doesn't know. And I'm like, damn right, it's better if she doesn't know. I mean, you should tell her. You shouldn't be sleazy like that. Yeah. But I just mean, like, as the other woman, like, you know, you should probably figure. But she is a lot younger than him. Mm-hmm. And she's pretty offended by that. And she says, I like hanging out with you, so sue me. And they're flirty, but... You know, they pretend it's innocent, but it's not. And then, you know, they're walking out and, you know, she leaves and they joke about playing racquetball again together. And he gets in his car and Max Katie, as he's like getting in his car, comes up by and or turning his car on, steals his keys and confronts him about not remembering him. And he said, I'm disappointed. Max Katie, 14 years he's been locked up. He says the climate brought him to New Essex, Georgia. So this guy that he put away mm-hmm. is coming back. Or I'm sorry, he didn't put him away. He was his defense attorney, but it kind of gets into that later. Yeah. Um, indirectly puts him away. And he asks, uh, Sam asks if he's been following him. And he says, it's a small town counselor. And then Katie mumbles something, but he couldn't hear. He thinks he may have heard him. And mm-hmm. you find out later he heard what he said. And then it cuts to that night and Sam is dabbling on the piano and Danny's doing homework and it's all very normal. And then the parents are talking about Danny having to go to summer school and having a new drama teacher and she has to do summer school because she was caught smoking pot. And then for drama, who goes to summer school for drama? Like that's math, English, history, science. That's the four majors. Mm -hmm. Rich people, white schools, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Yes, you're going to have to go to summer school, but you can pick any of the fine arts you'd like. (laughs) (laughs) And it cuts to an awkward sex scene between Lee and Sam. And there's some cool shots in this movie that go negative. Mm -hmm. The negative shots, and then they turn red. So it's kind of, yeah. It's kind of 90s, you know, like that late 80s, early 90s thing. But it's, it fits the movie pretty well, I think. And then Lee gets up sometime in the night to, she, her character's kind of weird. Like she's been through... She's not super stable, like mentally, mm-hmm. until she's like been through some stuff. And she's just looking at herself in the vanity mirror and she's like rubbing her face and she puts on lipstick. But that might not be weird. She may just be wanting to feel pretty and she's yeah. alone and no one's judging her and you know, whatever the case may be. And she walks to the window and she sees Max Katie sitting on their fence wall that is along their property just staring up at them. And then she wakes up Sam to look and Sam goes outside and yells, I want you the hell off my property. But he seems to be gone at that point. And then Sam tells Lee he thinks he heard Max mumble something like, I'll teach you about loss. He doesn't remember what he sent Max away for. So he says Mm -hmm. he doesn't tell his wife. And Sam says he's just been bugging them because he's upset that he went to prison. But you find out that he does know what max katie went away for and the next day he asks lee not to let danny walk around by herself and to call the cops if he comes around again so he is alarmed Mm -hmm. definitely i would be too you know if you're an attorney and you're a defense attorney and you are defending some of the most vile predators that exist that's scary especially if even if you try your best sometimes you're not going to win sometimes evidence is too airtight could just blame you even though you tried Yeah. yeah and Sam is telling his colleague he filed a restraining order against Max Katie. And 
Then you find out that he was his defense attorney. And while he was going through the case, he found out or he got a report that the woman that he raped and battered was promiscuous. And then he tells his colleague, but if you had seen what he did to that girl who was 16 years old. Yeah. And he buried the report and he said, but no one knows. There's no way that Max Katie can know. I mean, he says, I don't remember if it's now or later. Like I had to read him every affidavit because he wasn't even literate. And he learned because he says later he learned how to read in prison. Forgot about that part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when he started learning how to read, he started reading law books. And so he pulled up his own case and found out that way that his defense attorney could have put that in for his defense, but chose not to because he didn't want him to get off with it. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, that's fair. But then at the same time, it's kind of like doctors, you know, rapist comes in and he has a heart attack. You can't let him die. It's, it's, you took an oath. You have Mm -hmm. to save that patient. Same thing with attorneys. They, as defense attorneys, you can, uh, this is kind of, you know, a profane, I guess, but, you know, somebody kills a two-year-old, you got to defend them, even if you know damn well they're guilty. It's your duty and your job. And if you can't do that, you can recruit, you can step away from the case, you mm-hmm. know. But he didn't. Instead, he just chose to hide that part to make sure that Max Katie got put away. And then it cuts to the house. And Lee tells Danny she wants her to come into the room she's with and read. So you can tell that Lee's kind of on edge, too. She doesn't really know, but she knows that there's somebody that's pissed and dangerous and so she's like even though danny's just like in the next room reading she's like yeah you should come in here and read with me Mm -hmm. so that i can see you and make sure i know that you're okay but she says even if you don't want to come in here and read please don't go outside and then it cuts to sam walking on the sidewalk just in town and then max pulls up next to him in his car and points to a group of teenage girls and he's like "Mm -mm -mm." it's like he says you're you're lucky, counselor. My daughter doesn't even know me, which is so weird to say after you see a group of teenage girls. Yeah, but like, you're Googling it. Yeah. And then Sam says, Why me? I was your defender. And Max says he learned, this is when he says he learned how to read during his stretch, and all he read were law books. And Sam asks how much money he wants to go to go away. You know, how much do I need to give you for you to disappear? And Max says, what would be my compensation for being held down and sodomized by four men? He says he doesn't understand what those 14 years meant. So he's like, what is the compensation? 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 for those years that I was tortured and Nothing. Back. He raped a girl, at least one that we know of, and he deserved that. Exactly. But he thinks that he was gypped. I'm sorry. I, think I she shouldn't was say gypped. that. But yeah. And so, and, and it, he even said, Sam said, it was, it wasn't just like, and I'm not saying that any rape is acceptable or any more severe than another, but he said, not only did he rape her, but he just mm-hmm. ro- beat the shit out of her. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like you said, if you had seen what he had done to this girl. Yeah. And so Max Katie drives off and then Sam's at the firm and he gets an urgent call from his wife, Lee. And then it cuts to him driving home and he's like furious. And Lee says there was a, this is awful, first of all. So she's had this dog, Benjamin, this whole time, right next to her. Sleeps next to her. It follows her around the house. It's her baby. They did not. I'm so glad. Yeah, me too. Lee says she heard a horrible high pitched screaming sounds. And she called the vet, but it was too late. 
He was winding down like an old clock, and all of a sudden he just stopped. So Max killed their dog, and he died before the vet got there. The vet said that he was poisoned. And then Lee and Sam have issues. Like, big-time issues. Yeah. Lee starts screaming. You know, he says, I told you not to let the dog outside. And she's screaming, I didn't. I didn't let the dog outside. And starts, like, beating on him. And she didn't let the dog outside. Somebody let the dog outside, and it wasn't the family, so he can just get into their house. Yeah. And then it cuts to Sam with a colleague again. And they brought Max in to do a strip search because now he's trying to get his colleague and cop connections involved in this Mm -hmm. and try to catch Max in the act of doing something to their family, like poisoning their dog. And they're watching in this, you know, two-way mirror. And this is when it zooms in on all of his tattoos and he has vengeance and my time is now and justice scale tattoos all over his body. And they search his apartment and they said they found nothing except for the fact that he inherited money. He said that he doesn't know how Max killed the dog, only that he did it. And of course, the cops are like, well, what are we supposed to do with that information? Mm -hmm. You're a lawyer. You know, we can't do anything with you saying, I know that's the man that killed my dog. Mm -hmm. And then it cuts to a town July 4th parade. And of course, Max is watching the family from across the street and Sam sees him just staring at Lee. Mm -hmm. and he goes over to Max, and Max says, hot as a firecracker on the 4th of July, and then he goes to, like, beat the shit out of him, to punch him, and the crowd doesn't know what's going on, so they think that he's just coming at this poor dude, you know, and they leave their daughter behind, Mm -hmm. by the way, because Lee goes over there, and their 15-year-old daughter is just standing there, and I don't know, that's just... Probably wouldn't leave my, I would make sure, even at 15, like if somebody's yeah. after you, and especially if you know that he raped and tortured a 16 year old girl, Yeah, I would not let my kid like would be attached to my hip, literally. And then it cuts to a bar and the girl Sam flirts with, her name is Lori, the one that was mad that his wife didn't know about her, is getting just blasted mm-hmm. in this bar. And Max is, of course, sitting next to her. And Max knows who she is. Yeah. He's been watching Sam long enough to know that this person means something to him. But not to the point where she's his wife or child. But he's got to start somewhere. And she tells Max that she had no right getting involved with a married man. And she's talking about Sam. And, of course, she doesn't know that he knows that she's talking about mm-hmm. Sam. But he knows. And she says that he was her first married man. And Max is playing along and flirting, and he tells her he was just released from prison, and they make a joke about hacking a woman into 52 pieces, and she's like, no, really, what'd you do? And he's like, I hacked my wife into 52 pieces, and they're laughing and having a great time, but he tells her that he was in prison because he went to a protest rally, and a cop was getting too rough with a woman, and he punched a cop to protect her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't ever believe that shit, ladies. <laughs> like, that's cool. Can I see the rap sheet? Well, I need to look up your case files first. So just hold on. Let me go look. (laughs) People who are really like that don't tell you, yeah, I just got out of prison. That's something that you hear about dates later when they really do like you. Hey, I need to tell you something. You know, I have have Because they're embarrassed by that. Probably not embarrassed of defending someone, but. You don't just bring up a rap sheet on the first date. Yeah. Usually. Or unless maybe you're, you're just really open. but Unless you're a criminal who is proud of the fact that you went to prison. Or that. So Max has just been playing along and flirting with her this whole time. And he takes her home to have sex with her. 
and he's rough with her and he pulls out handcuffs, but she's still laughing and like, oh, you're going to be rough with me. And she's really drunk. Which is, by the way, was the actress that they were, she was supposed to go in scared and the actress was like, I think it'd be creepier like this. And she's fucking right. Yeah. Like she's playing along. She thinks this is going to be fun. And then all of a sudden it's not. Yeah, I think that was a good choice, too, because if she was sketched out, it's like, oh, she sees it coming. But she didn't until this is really brutal, too. This is a violent scene. Yeah. So sexually and otherwise. And he handcuffs her, you know, her hands behind her back. And then he just like breaks her arm and her shoulder, just like cracks it over. Still like it up until that break, she thinks it's fun. And then no. And then he fucking bites a piece of her face off. Yeah. And, like, spits it. Which Robert De Niro actually got so into his part that he researched serial rapists. And that's where he took that from. So I wonder what serial rapists he researched that that was in. I don't want to know. Do not want to read about it. I'm good. I'm good with not knowing that. I'm good with this staying as a movie. And I can just come back from it and be okay. (laughs) He got so into this movie. He did such a good job. You can tell. Dude. Yeah. And then it cuts to Sam playing piano. And one of the keys is busted. He's like, what happened to this key? And the family's like, I don't know. Like, it doesn't play. Mm -hmm. So the wire, something is, yeah. So he gets a call and it says, Katie raped another girl. And then cut to the hospital. And his colleague, the cop says, girl is scared, claiming she fell down some stairs. But someone made Max's plate, his license plate. And then, of course, he walks in and he's like, oh, my God. And Mm -hmm. she's, like, crying and, you know, says his name. And Lori said that because he stood her up, she was feeling reckless. And Sam tells her that Katie will just do it over and over unless Lori testifies. And she doesn't want to because she sees. And she's a a clerk at the law office or Mm -hmm. the city or wherever Sam practices. And she said she doesn't want to. This is so sad because this is getting a little deep. But this is is real shit. This is why women do not come forward. I would actually... So she says she doesn't want to testify because she sees how her colleagues cross-examine victims and put their lives out on display and make them seem like basically sluts when a woman should feel free to express her sexuality just as a man does without being considered a slut or a whore. But she says, I see how they laugh about it afterwards about how they got that bitch to cave basically and how the system fails women over and over and over because they just break them the women have already gone through this so i mean honestly the system it plays maybe i was gonna say not as much more recently but let's talk about that for a second yes i would like to talk about that there are two cases there was a man trigger warning real rape cases we're going to talk about so if that is sexual assault and rape is something that you cannot listen to it's sensitive we're not going to go into graphic detail we're just going to talk about the sentences that these men should have served but cut forward now if that's something that that bothers you okay there was a case in new york and the man he was a bus driver Mm-hmm. And he raped a 14-year-old girl. And he pleaded guilty to raping this 14-year-old girl. He confessed to it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he got time served for serving eight months when he should have been serving 10 plus years. That 
is so fucking infuriating and yeah. disgusting. Mm-hmm. He fucking, this isn't trying to figure out if he did it or not. He fucking admitted to it. And eight months is worth this, the rest of this girl's life mm-hmm. that she will have to deal with this and go to therapy and all of that. Yeah. Time served. Eight months. That, that's eight months. it. Yep. So you can go rape any woman on the fucking street, admit to it, and get eight months. It's okay. It's not a big deal. If you're a white man. That's fucking horrible. And it's getting to that point with so many things lately. Like, I mean, we're continuing to talk about this one case, but there's so much stuff. My mother almost got run off the road by some crazy lady driving and texting and racing people off the road. She she could have died on the fucking highway. And all the sheriff said was, well, nothing really happened, did it? Luckily. are you? F- that's the kind of world we're fucking in right now? Yeah. Is it doesn't really matter. that That's where we're back to. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a second case you told me about today because mm-hmm. this was yesterday. And then there was another one today. Yeah. So the second one, a Georgia man pleaded guilty. Again. So pleaded guilty one. to keeping a teenage girl in sexual captivity for more than a year has been sentenced to a few months of time served. So you can even keep someone in slavery now. And it, it's cool. It's not a big deal. She went missing when she was 15 years old. What? And I know this is what every generation says, but seriously, what world are we living in that that is okay? That it's okay to say, yeah, she almost ran you off the road, but it didn't actually happen. I mean, what would have happened if she had died? Would they have given a shit if this girl died? And, you know, it's what's really sad is that most of the world does care. Somebody should be looking into these judges. Mm-hmm. that are passing down these sentences. Absolutely. I mean, it takes us all the way back to Brock Turner, mm-hmm. who he there were witnesses to his sexual assault. They held him down and waited yes. for the police, and he got three months. It didn't even fucking matter. No. It doesn't matter. If you're a white How male. How upsetting is that? Mm-hmm. And I know there were some people disagree with me and think that we're – we lean left and that we're um, crazy feminists. I mean, that's but you're, two factual – three factual cases. I don't yeah. know how you can disagree with that. Yeah, and you're not even – a left winger <laughs> like no i let's i mean i'm not even i don't really like the label thing but no i understand i don't I, either i'm more moderate i will but. call myself republican just because that's what my family always has been but i lean in middle yeah but i'm still a republican and i think this is fucking bullshit this it, is horrible i don't understand why it has to be a partisan issue either. exactly why it's does not. everything have to be my team one yeah or i hate your team because you're a democrat I don't. We're all fucking people, yeah. and this is not okay as a people. Yeah, I think I'm just, you know, saying if you're a white male, you can get away with it. People will come for me, and that's fine. But it's true. It is absolutely true. And the older I get, I never really believed in that white privilege thing. But the older I get, the more I kind of understand. Where if you don't, if you're not really believing in that white privilege, there's part of you who's probably a part of it, and you should really look into that. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> off of that, this is horrible. Yeah. And and it's a real thing, and it's a problem still today. Yeah. Almost 30 years later. Well, it's always been a problem. Even in the military. And these are statistics from the, the VA. VA. Yeah. These are their own statistics. So, you would think that they would want to lie. So, what if they did lie? What if these statistics are less than what they actually are? Every 30 minutes... There, the statistics are so high that every 30 minutes in the military, a woman gets raped. Mm-hmm. And that's what's 
been told. There are so many women that never come forward. And you can't, I mean, that those literally are straight from a nonprofit that pulled all of their data from the VA, straight from the, yes. straight from the Veterans Administration. Yes. That is being reported. That's not even what the DOD is saying. This is not okay. And honestly, it's not even just down to women. Men are getting this too. Of course. This is, yeah, this is, and, you know, sexual assault and rape is not just a women's issue, but no. it is, of course, more prevalent, you know, but that statistic may be just sexual assault in general too. Yeah. But every 30 minutes, yep. So so the lieutenant that is, you know, met him at the hospital suggests that he uses his family as bait and to do a stakeout for Max Katie because they can't do anything about Max. Because, you know, of course, now that, that Lori has been uh, assaulted by him, he knows that he's coming for him. <laughs> and it's only a matter of time before he starts doing things to his family directly. And, you know, the lieutenant's like, we can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And Sam is very like, you know, I operate within the law. I am an attorney right now. That's the tune he's singing. Yeah. And so he cuts to the family's house and he's locking all the doors and shutting all the blinds and locking all the windows. And then it's, you see him, it cuts to him. That's just like a quick little scene of how paranoid he's getting. And then you see him talking to a colleague and he says he thinks he can slip. He thinks that Max can slip in and out of his house undetected and that he's clever and he knows how to avoid these, this law. And then Especially he, now that the dog's gone. That's the one that's going to get him in trouble. Exactly. Dog's dead. He's easy. And yeah. And so he's telling a private detective or a PI, he, you know, that he raped a 16-year-old girl and that he has a 15-year-old daughter. And the guy will, you know, the PI says, okay, well, I'll follow Max Katie for you and do a risk assessment. And then it cuts to the family dinner and they're talking up the PI. And they're like, oh, we got this private investigator and things are safer and we can calm down. And then the phone rings and it's the PI. And he talked to the prison and found out someone that Max Katie worked with at the prison in the kitchen had his neck broken and his tongue cut out. And the prison couldn't place Max Katie at the scene, but they think that it was him. And then he says, oh, the subject is on the move. I got to go. And then Sam calls Lori at the hospital to basically apologize to her. And Lori says that she's going to move back to Connecticut. And Lee, you can just see her back there listening to this Mm -hmm. conversation. And Lee knows that there's something going on with Lori. And Lee starts punching at him for fucking her. And Lee says he thought he left that all behind. And so now you see where Lee and yeah, Sam he's have already their, cheated. Yeah, have their problems. And Danny, I feel so bad for her. I do because every time her mom starts screaming, they don't have any regard for her. Yeah. At least when my parents fought when I was a kid, they tried to do it behind closed doors when my brother and I weren't like directly exposed to it. It didn't always work, you know, mm-hmm. especially when you start yelling, you can yeah. hear through doors. It's, but they made an effort, but Lee just starts like beating on him and yelling and screaming and doesn't try to keep any of it from Danny. So she just runs to her room and she has to turn up the TV not to hear them screaming. And she calls her friend Nadine crying. And she said that she's losing her mind and I'm not a parent. And I know that if I ever am one, I will not be a perfect parent. And Brad and I will not be perfect parents together. And there will be things that our children see that we would, of course, rather than not see just as Mm -hmm. far as fighting. But I feel like this is especially a time when you need to keep your family unified. And making your teenage daughter isolated and feeling isolated is going to make her more reckless Mm -hmm. and more dangerous to herself. And to you guys. Exactly. And so Lee and Sam are still screaming. And he's screaming at her because she was depressed. After he cheated, he's blaming her for going crazy, basically, after he cheated. And it's like, dude, you did that. Mm -hmm. Like, that's your fault. And he says that he's a lawyer and she's a clerk and she's just infatuated and he can't help it. 
And then they kind of calm down and they're still fighting, but now they're talking more than yelling. And Sam says he's genuinely scared. And he says, we can beat that son of a bitch working as a team. And you think that they're like, okay, we're a team. And then it cuts to him sleeping on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then, yeah. And then there's the scene with this PI at a restaurant and he's of course still watching Max Katie, but it has cut to the next morning and he's not really following him around right now. Mm -hmm. And Max sends him a meal as kind of like a, I know you're watching me. This guy is like, he's not supernatural, but it's almost like he is so good there's he's like almost it's like unreal Mm -hmm. that he's this perceptive and this intelligent and this elusive and the pi basically confronts him and says you need to get the hell out of the state and they're just comparing dick sizes Mm -hmm. you know he's like is that a threat and he's like you're damn right it's a threat and then it cuts to lee going out to get the mail by herself the mail is not that important Mm-hmm. You can wait for your husband to get it when he gets home or something or go together as a team. Because then, of course, Max drives up and he hands her Benjamin's dog collar. So he poisoned the dog and took its collar. I'd fucking kill him right there. Like, I would go to prison. I'm she cool doesn't that. make the connection, though. She's he's like, It takes her oh, way too long yeah. to make it, I feel. He's like, oh, you know, I found this dog collar and it had your information on it. So I wanted to bring it by to you. And... She's like, oh, you know, she described the dog laying at her feet while she sketches. And she finally catches on that he's the one. If somebody just showed up, my dog turned up dead and somebody just showed up with the collar in hand. And I knew there was somebody like stalking my family. That would be my first thought. I would not, first of all, even if I wanted it badly, I would not touch the dog collar. I would immediately run back inside my house. I would Mm -hmm. not exchange one single word with that man. Nope. I would get his description, get his car description, just log it away in my memory and run get a gun yeah exactly and they banter and you know he says it didn't have to be this way if your husband hadn't betrayed us both we could have been happy lee and then fucking danny comes out in the front yard and he sees her and mm-hmm. then he just drives off he's like awesome pray yep and the pi tells sam that he was made and sam says he can't operate outside the law so he's still singing that same tune like he's not gonna do anything illegal But then Sam gets home and Lee says he was here today. And then it cuts to this phone call and it's Max Katie's voice. And he's talking to Danny and says, this is new teacher calling from drama. I'm going down the the list greeting summer students. And he talks about not suppressing her sexuality. Mm -hmm. And it's just this really creepy, like even as a 15 year old, I think this character was frustrating to me. Because I know she's going through a lot with her parents or whatever, and she's just trying to make some sort of human connection that's meaningful to her. Mm-hmm. I've been a 15, 16-year-old girl. I was, I'm not that stupid. I feel like, okay, I disagree with you. That's fine. Not on the phone call. The phone call is creepy, and I think that she should have understood that. When she gets in the auditorium, she's still a little creeped out, which I be- I agree with, and I feel like... But I feel like that's true. Like me as, or any 15-year-old, your hormones are going. I'm sorry, they yeah. are. And if someone looks tall, dark, and handsome, and they're flirting with you, and mm. all of that, you're going to want that. I guess. He's just not my definition of older man that I'd love to just get with. Like but. he sits there, and he's just sitting there all shy almost, yeah. like just looking at her. And then, can I put my arm around you? And she's all like, yeah. Like... <laughs> Put it in those terms of 
maybe he's not an adult male and it's some other teenage boy. Yeah. You'd want them to put their arm around you. They're flirting with you. They're being cute. You feel wanted. Yeah. But she also knows that someone is stalking her family and killed her dog. That's why the phone call is messed up. Yeah. And, you know, he says that, no, drama's not in room 110. It's been moved to the theater. And I'm like, fuck. And he says, you can trust me. I'm a do-right man after he plays this record Mm -hmm. for her. And the next day, Lee drops her off, and she goes downstairs, and that's when we get to the part where you were talking about, and he's sitting in this little, like, set She's house. creeped out because no one's around. Yeah, which, which would be my good. first indication to run. Yes, but, but she, she keeps, continues to go. Yeah, she keeps going. And I, that's what I said. It's not occurring to her that this is creepy. She knows some man she's never seen is after them. But no, nah, she's going to make uh, – she's going to smoke weed with a stranger because mm-hmm. he's smoking – a joint when she gets down there. Which her parents have, you've already heard earlier, that she gets in trouble for smoking. That's why she's in summer pot. school. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So she's like, oh, okay, so he's kind of like me. He gets into stuff that I do. He's cool. He's young. He's hip, right? Because he uses that very basic psychology of they don't understand. They don't exactly. understand you. They don't understand us. I understand you. And he's right. I'm sorry. Let's look at pedophile after pedophile after pedophile <laughs> that is in a high school or anything like yeah. that that is how they reach those girls yeah, exactly every time and then they talk about literature and then they start talking about sex and books about sex mm-hmm. and she asks where he's from and he says she'll get mad if he tells her and then she says you're not the drama teacher are you and he says maybe i'm the big bad wolf and even after that mm-hmm. even after that where he basically is like yeah i'm not the drama teacher he she says you're the guy that's been hanging around the house you're the one that killed my mom's dog she makes that connection and she makes that realization and he denies knowing anything about that but she's smarter than that i think she knows you know deep down i feel like we've already seen that her parents fight and she doesn't seem to really care for her parents yeah or her mom in particular yeah she's probably a little jealous of the dog that her mom cares that much and she probably doesn't care let's be completely honest she's probably a selfish teenager who hasn't reached that point that that's a living being Mm -hmm. and she's probably still like fine whatever more attention for me yeah and she just accepts that he doesn't know anything about the dog and he says he came to meet her because he wanted to see what she's like he says i see you're a nice person and she says you're not going to hurt me are you And he says, I'm not going to hurt you. There's no hate between us. And he starts, you know, doing that whole turning against her parents thing. And he says, forgive them because they know not what they do. He says he doesn't hate her father and he prays for him and wants to help him. He just says, your daddy doesn't admit his mistakes. And he says, I know you're not happy, are you? And she says, no, I'm not. And he says, you thought about me last night, didn't you? And she says, yes. And he says to her, I may have found my companion. Do you mind if I put my arm around you? This scene is so much secondhand awkwardness. But she gets uncomfortable and says, eventually says she doesn't mind. And he strokes her face and puts his thumb in her mouth. And she's just like eating this shit up. Like, you know, she is super into it. Mm -hmm. And they make out and he walks away and she just runs out of the theater. Juliet Lewis had the biggest crush on Robert De Niro after this. Really? Mm-hmm. And this whole scene right here was ad-libbed by the two of them. Ew. I'm sorry. Okay. Ew, yeah, but no, yeah, then put it was yourself good. In it. it was Tell good. me they aren't fucking amazing for you no, to they feel were good. that that's something a teenage 
would a teenager would do and also how fucking awkward that was they did an amazing job yeah for that to be Mm ad-libbed it just made me so uncomfortable exactly (sighs) but yeah it was good (laughs) and they did it in one take at least it was only one take and it wasn't over and over Uh because i don't know if i can first of all somebody's figures going in my mouth literally sounds like my worst nightmare that's disgusting no 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 i've had a crush on my husband i've had a crush on lots of people and ain't having nobody's thumb just be stuck in my mouth no okay (laughs) i just don't know where those don't know where those hands have been go wash them maybe that's germy of me like germophobia of me but maybe you people touch money do you know how gross money is like cash so sam calls the pi and says that they found marijuana in her books and that he came to her school he says that he wants the three guys so earlier the pi had offered him men basically mm-hmm. and that's what the shit out of him and he's like um i you know i operate within the law but now it's happened to his daughter and what could what i mean they were alone a lot worse could have happened like mm-hmm. he could have raped and killed her it's smarter of him to do this a knows exactly what he's doing mm-hmm. it's all methodical and so he says he wants the three guys and they're gonna try to either beat the shit out of him or kill him and sam confronts katie in a restaurant and tells him if he doesn't get out of town that he'll be hurting like he's never heard before. Which he fucking records. Yeah. If somebody was like, will you say that again? I'd be like, no, no, no. You are no, recording you me. You definitely heard me the first time. I promise. Yeah. And Max tells him he's going to teach him the meaning of commitment. 14 years ago, he had to com- be committed to a cell. And he's there to save him. So cut to the house and Sam is closing the blinds again. It's one of those scenes where he's just closing everything and locking everything. And Sam checks on Danny and Danny says he didn't force himself on her. And she was, he was just trying to make a connection and he gets mad and he's like, no, he's not. And she just gets all smirky and like, you know, looks at her dad, like I wanted it. What Mm -hmm. are you going to do about it? You know? And he asks, did he touch you? And she's just smiling at him. And he says, wipe that smile off your face. I'm asking if he touched you as he's like holding his hand over her face and holding her down. That is not the way to get your 15-year-old <laughs> daughter to confess something to mm-hmm. you. Like these parents just go about things very yeah. wrongly. And I know they're just out of their element. And That's what I'm saying. I mean, they're stressed. You're not supposed this, to have but... to deal with this in parenting. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be like the normal, oh, fuck, they smoked marijuana or you know we caught him like making out you know what i mean like this is way out of the the realm but Mm -hmm. also not the way to go about it because then of course she just starts crying and she's not going to tell him anything Mm -hmm. and then it cuts to max katie getting out of his car and then three men ambush him with basically like pipes and blunt objects and they start beating him and you think that they're going to get the better of him but of course we know that they're not and he gets up and he knocks one uh, out and gets his weapon then he knocks another down and then he beats the last one. And Sam has been watching from behind a dumpster, which is stupid. Yeah, fucking idiot. And he goes to run away and he knocks something over and he makes the loudest fucking noise. Double fucking idiot. And then, of course, Max is like, counselor, is that you? Come out, come out, wherever you are. 
And then he said, I ain't no white trash piece of shit. I'm better than all of you. I can outread you. I can outthink you. And he just goes on and on. And it's going to take a hell of a lot better than a few blows to prove you're better than me. And he starts spouting Bible verses about him being comparable to God, kind of. And then, you know, counselor, counselor, could you be there? I wonder if you're there. And then he says, oh, fuck it. If you're here, what the fuck's the difference? And he drops the metal pipe and walks away. And he could have come beat the shit out of Sam. He's fucking lucky. He could have killed, he would have killed him. But he wants to play with him more. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to kill him. He doesn't want him dead. He wants to continue to. He's had 14 years to think this up. Yeah, exactly. The PI says that he can have more men if he wants, but instead he's like, I'm going to take a legal route and now I've done something. And he calls the best defense attorney that they know of. And Max beat him to it. Max called this defense attorney and of course we know he was recording the threat the entire time. And now it shows them both in court all beat up. And then now there was a restraining order on both sides. Now, can we talk about the defense attorney for a second? I don't know if you know Gregory this. Peck. <laughs> so the original figure was Gregory Peck and mm-hmm. Robert Mitchum as Sam and The protagonist Katie. and the antagonist, yeah. There was also the judge from the original was in this too. So we have Gregory Peck as the defense lawyer in this new Cape Fear. We have Robert Mitchum is the lieutenant in this new Cape Fear. And then we have... Martin Balsam, who played Mark Dutton, and he's the lawyer in this new one. Did not catch that. That's really cool that they brought three from the original into this. Because they don't have huge parts. No, they're very tiny. And this was actually Gregory Peck's last film before he died. Oh. Yeah. He looked good in this movie, yeah. That's a pretty cool way to go out, though, coming back in one of your larger roles. Yeah, definitely. As the little bit character. So then Sam walks into the P.I.'s office after the court, you know, case demanding a gun. And him and the P.I. hatch a plan to make it look like he's going to go out of town, but actually sneak him back into the house to see if Katie breaks in. And then they can legally kill him if he breaks in. Mm -hmm. And so they hatch this whole elaborate plan. They buy him a a ticket to the airport, you know, on a flight. And he, Katie follows them to the airport and sees him say goodbye to his family and essentially almost get on the tarmac. And these were different times. This is like, you know, pre 9-11. And so you could literally follow someone up to the gate and stay with them. Yeah. And so they see him off basically. And after he sees him get on board, he goes up to the clerk that, you know, sells the tickets. And he says he really needs to know if... He, if Sam was on the flight and the lady tells him, you know, I can't give you that information. I can't give you that information, but he's a sweet talker Mm -hmm. and he gets what he wants. And she says, he'll be back the day after tomorrow. So you first think, oh, they didn't actually buy a fucking plane ticket. Mm -hmm. But then you see, okay, they did. And she says he's on that flight and he'll be back the day after tomorrow. And then the family sneaks him in the house and the PI is there and they're setting these traps. So they wire the doors and windows to a teddy bear mm-hmm. it's like fishing line and if something moves the teddy bear will move in whichever direction and he says he could catch the holy ghost if he wanted to <laughs> and the daughter doesn't want them to hurt him and throws a fit mm-hmm. and i just was so infuriated with her at this point i know i shouldn't be and you disagree with me on that but i'm just like Ugh. i just feel like she's acting like a teenager would act I guess, but I feel like that doesn't give some teenagers enough credit. She just seems so stupid to me. Maybe blind. Maybe we were brought up in a time where 
danger was more prevalent. Yeah. I don't know. Also, I mean, she's completely alone. Her parents are so involved in themselves and what's going on. They don't really care what's going on with her. She doesn't have a sibling or anything to even get that type of thing. School is now out. She has to go to summer school, so she doesn't really have her friends all the time. She's lonely, and she needs some sort of connection. And also, she's a teenager with hormones. And this is the first guy that we hear about that is showing her any sort of anything. I guess rebelling, too. This would be a good way to rebel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The next day comes and nothing happened. And then the maid comes back. And Danny loves this woman. Like, you can see in the beginning, they have a great Mm -hmm. relationship. Or their housekeeper, whoever she is. Danny picks up a flower pot and sees sexist under it, which is a book about sex. Mm -hmm. And she picks it up and she makes sure nobody's you know, looking and she smuggles it inside and then night falls and it's night number two and the maid stays over. Danny is staring out her window really late at night and everyone else is basically just kind of in separate rooms staring. And then it kind of zooms in on the bear a lot. And so, you know, it's about to move Mm -hmm. and it does. And the PI army crawls towards the direction that it's coming from. And it's really windy, which makes him think that you know, something just blew yeah. open. So he tightens the lines and that's that. And Sam has fallen asleep upstairs and he wakes up and he has a vision of Max Katie just leaned in the doorway staring at him. So creepy. Super creepy. And it goes into that negative shot that we, you know, it's done earlier. And he has a feeling. He's like, he's in the house. He's in the house. And it cuts to the PI and the PI is walking around and he walks into the kitchen and he sees their maid up and she, and he's like, oh, you can't sleep either. And then he, the maid turns around and it's Max mm-hmm. Katie in her uniform. And he cuts the PI's throat with the piano wire that was missing from that key. So you know he's been in their house, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the gun goes off. And he killed the PI, of course. And then Sam yells Kersick's name, which is the PI. And Sam tells Danny to go to her room and lock the door. Lee looks outside and sees him running across the yard, Max Mm -hmm. Katie running across the yard. And they all go downstairs, including Danny, and see the maid. She's also been killed. And it's really bloody and nasty. It surprised me when he ran away. Like, seeing this for the first time, I assumed it's going to take the typical horror movie thing of, okay, he's in the house now. He's going to just start killing them all. And that's going to be the rest of the movie. I was surprised he just killed two and then was gone. And I was like, what the He's fuck? Just Where do we go fucking, from here? He, Yeah, he just wants them to know that they can't yeah. keep him out. You kill two people at once and that's just fucking with them? That's yeah. in, that's intense. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Danny loved their housekeeper. Mm-hmm. And Danny sees it. And this is a very good portrayal of, like, real shock and grief. Because she's just, like, screaming and crying. And then now she finally sees he's dangerous. Yeah. And she's been duped, essentially. And... Then Sam slips. He goes to get Kersik's gun and he slips mm. in his blood and is just freaking out and runs outside and just starts shooting blindly. And you're like, there's still neighbors around you. Yeah. Yep. Maybe don't. And then it cuts to the next day. The family is in the car driving. 
to Cape Fear. They're fucking out of there. Yeah. And they stopped to get groceries. And the lieutenant, he basically called and said, there are two bodies in my house. And I know I'm not supposed to leave the scene of a murder, but I'm getting the fuck out of here. And you call me when you find Max Katie. Mm-hmm. And his... Well, he thinks they're going to blame him, which they probably would at this point. Exactly. And especially because he slipped all up in that blood. Yes. Like, he's in there. And he says that they're fugitives now. And Katie... This is so good. This, I have never forgotten this scene and it creeps me out to this day. Yeah. He's strapped himself underneath their car. I want to know how long he was holding on to that thing. Like how yeah. far do they drive? I don't know. It was night. Because he's like holding on and he's just got like one strap yes. around him. The strength and endurance. Robert De Niro said he wouldn't do it unless a stuntman proved that it could be done. So that means that not only did a stuntman prove that was done, Robert De Niro actually did that. Mm-mm. holy shit yeah that's so fucking creepy that's like the the creepy of there's something under your bed that's gonna grab your foot yes that's why i literally everyone's like check the back seat of your car and i'm like and under your car yeah because of this movie exactly but they're they're in cape fear and they're getting a boathouse and there was a mention of a, a boathouse way earlier in the movie but it was just an so offhanded cute. comment i want one of those not yeah. the death and stuff but the cute no but the boathouse boat yeah on same. the river mm-hmm and then he crawls out from under the car, and then a woman sees him, and she's just like, okay. I'd be fucking terrified. Like, you I'm, know that's not someone you want to fuck with. No, I would never say anything, because I would be so fucking terrified that he would come after me. He would. I'm surprised he didn't. Yeah. But she's just, like, staring I agree. at him. I'm surprised we didn't see, like, her dead body somewhere. Yeah. He's just like, eh, she's not going to come he after me. He does a really good job of not killing people unless they either directly get in his way, or they're who he's, he's going after. He's making a point, yeah. And he heads into the bathroom to clean up because he's, of course, all dusty and dirty from that right drive. Yeah. And it seems like a boathouse is a good idea until you kind of realize that they're just totally trapped. Mm-hmm. You know, at first you're like, oh, yeah, out in the middle of nowhere. He's you never going to find see you. exactly who's going to get on there. But then if he does, which he, I mean, he does yes. get on the boat, you're completely trapped and you have mm-hmm. no way of escaping that situation. So it's like a good idea until mm-hmm. he comes to find you. And they, you know, he's smart and he will find you. And they head out on their houseboat and it's called Moana. <laughs> Just having that. As a, and they you drop anchor. Moana. I do. They drop anchor somewhere surrounded by a lot of trees. So it's like, you know, it's covered. Mm-hmm. It's a good place to be. And Katie has gotten a small boat of his own to follow them. And then the family's just eating dinner and it's pouring down rain. And of course the boat's kind of rocky because it's stormy. But then Sam goes out to check the anchor and they're scared for him to go outside. They're like, no, dad, please don't go out. And then, but he does. And then Lee yells at Sam to come back inside and he's out in the rain and they get like really freaked out. And he just yells, I can't hear you. And then right after they're like, oh, okay, thank God. Katie reaches from above and grabs him by the neck and he, chokes him till he passes yeah. out we're like oh he's gonna kill him oh no he's still nope. got more stuff to do yep he ties him up and he just gently lays him down i couldn't imagine hating someone this much to do this much torture no me neither he thinks it's his mission from god is uh-huh. to save this man he pulls the anchor up and he comes inside to the women and he he shows the gun to them and danny tries to charm him by saying she's memorized parts of sexes but he calls her on it and he says which part and he's like, you didn't do your homework. 
I'm kind of surprised she didn't, though. Like, she gets that book early on before her housekeeper dies. I'm surprised she yeah. didn't have anything on the top of her brain. Granted, right. Granted, she's scared, so it probably went away even if she did, but... But she didn't read it, apparently. And they were boiling tea, and she throws boiling water on him, but it good doesn't... Good girl. Except yes. For that but it doesn't, it do doesn't even phase him. But good girl for trying. Like, she even thought of that. Yep. And then he lights a flare, and just to prove a point to them, he lets it run all Ugh. over his hand. So gross. And he tells Danny to get in the hole and he locks her in. So it's just this little space, like a little cabinet below like a bench seat. Mm -hmm. And he locks her in there. And he says, ready to be born again, Miss Bowden. A few minutes alone with me, darling, you'll be speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. And that's terrifying. And while he's undressing Lee and kissing her forcefully. I'm not saying that i would be able to do this or think this way but i feel like especially if your daughter is stuck in that hole play along a little well she does kind of give up she does she she still she still is like "Eh, eh, start making out with him something like get into it make him pay attention to you Mm -hmm. i'm sorry and also this is so horrible i know it is but if you think that you are going to potentially get raped maybe try and get into it a little bit so it doesn't hurt so much because it's gonna hurt bad well and you know that aside like i think there are some like mental blocks that might prohibit that oh absolutely Um, or maybe defense mechanisms that make it so it just kind of depends on the person but i think i would try like think of your husband think of something i don't know yeah well and that's something that they you know danny tried to be like i did read it for you you know and lee does kind of give up and she just is but she's not faking it you know she's like obviously not Mm -hmm. not wanting this and then while this is happening, you see Danny has found matches and rocks and she's just kind of up to something and she finds lighter fluid. So she's good. looking and planning. And Lee has kind of stopped, you know, she she's just letting it happen, but she's also searching she, for his gun. She sees the gun coming out of his pants and she's trying to get the gun, but he catches it before she does. And then Sam wakes up and looks in and sees his wife, mm-hmm. you know, in bed with this guy. And then Max drags him in, and he starts stomping on Sam's head. I feel like that's got to hurt so... Oh, like, my not God. just the stomping, but him dragging him through that window yeah. had to hurt so fucking mm-hmm. bad. And Lee yells at him to stop, and then she tries to seduce him. Mm-hmm. You know, she says she hasn't stopped thinking about him and tried to imagine him locked up in jail and in the heat of his crimes. She says, I want you to do it with me, just with me, not with her, because we have this connection. So that's when it comes in where she's like... Just be with me. Don't touch my Trying daughter. Trying to get him to pay attention to you mm-hmm. and not your family. And he, Max says, what do you think, counselor? And then he stomps on him again. He thanks her for her speech. And when he lights his cigar, Danny has, at this point, he got her out and she's sitting up so on the good. table. He lights his cigar and she just sprays Man. a jet of lighter fluid at him. And sets him on fire and then he jumps into the river which is good i feel like people in horror movies sometimes think so fast i don't think i could well she did have some time in the hole to kind of like that's true but i feel like i'd be so scared sitting on that table him lighting it i would have missed the whole cue yeah and wouldn't have even thought of it yeah he jumps into the river and you think that it's over but the boat isn't anchored and it's really windy and choppy and the rope that he cut is in the wind Mm -hmm. And Max reaches up from the river and he grabs the rope and he pulls himself up. And Sam goes to tie it up because he's like, oh, shit, there's a rope. And if he was close enough, he could grab it, you know. Which is what he had already done. Exactly. 
And he comes up and Max holds a gun to his head and they, they all end up back in the house. Max asks him about the sexual history of the victim on his defense. He makes him admit he never showed the report from the DA. He admitted, Sam, uh, Sam admitted that he didn't give the report in because of how brutally he attacked that girl. And Max is yelling and he's kind of portraying this court case of how he's guilty, mm-hmm. guilty, you know. And by the power invested in me by God, I sentence you to the ninth circle of hell. And then he turns around. One for traitors. Mm -hmm. He tells Danielle and Lee to get down on their knees and take off their clothes. And they're screaming. And they're starting to kind of undress. Tonight you're going to learn how to be an animal. How to live like one. And how to die like one. So this, when I mentioned this movie, I knew this was going to be a little bit more difficult of a movie to talk about. Because there is that aspect of violent sexual assault. And, you know, when I was a kid, I say kid, when I was a young teenager and I saw this movie, I even warned you, I was like, it gets really, really intense at the end. Yeah. And when I rewatched it, I was like, it's bad, but it's not as bad as I remember. Nothing actually happens to them. They Mm -hmm. don't even get naked. But in my head, I remember that just being so much more horrifying when I was younger. Yeah. This movie is very much like minus her getting bitten on the cheek. You don't see a lot. No. It's just implied what he will do to people or has done. Yeah. And then you get those few murders, the housekeeper, Mm -hmm. the private investigator, Kersak, you know. Minus the private investigator, you don't even see the housekeeper. You see her body later. Yeah, you see her. Yeah, exactly. And the boat is still rocking around. So we have to remember at this point, too, that it's not anchored anymore. Mm -hmm. And it hits a rock and just starts spinning in circles. And so everybody's being thrown around. And they jump into the water to get away from Max, which is risky because these are really bad waters. Imagine if you couldn't swim. And even if you are a strong swimmer, luckily, they don't have a strong, like, ocean current. But rivers still move Mm -hmm. a lot. And imagine if you couldn't swim or you weren't a strong swimmer. And even if you are, you can't see and it's wavy and choppy. Like, that's scary. So the girls make it into the water, but Sam doesn't. And then they struggle. Max grabs him and brings him back on board and they start physically fighting. Sam is able to handcuff Max's foot to the sinking boat. The boat crashes and it's basically like obliterated to like sticks. Yeah. And... Sam jumps in the water and him and Max wash up on shore. And of course, Max is still attached to part this little part of the boat. And Sam gets a rock and starts beating him with the rock. And then Max is yelling and laughing like a fucking crazy person. And they're both throwing rocks and beating each other with rocks. And then Sam grabs a big old rock (laughs) and drops it. But misses. Because the thing moves. Yeah. And floats him away. Exactly. And then Katie drifts off and is speaking in tongues as he's sinking with with the ship, basically. And he starts saying, I'm bound for the promised land as he goes under. And you just see his eyes. The last shot of him is just his eyes lingering and staring at you from right above the water. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. And then Lee, you see them, got washed ashore, and Danny's right next to her. And Danny gets up and crawls over to her, and they're just holding each other and crying. And then Sam wanders over to him, and they all just are holding each other. And then it cuts to Danny's voice, and it says they never talk about it. She says she doesn't dream about him much anymore. And then it zooms in on her eyes, and then it changes to a negative shot, and then it continues to zoom in on her eyes, and then it turns red. It's so fucking creepy because I hate eyes. I hate it. But even if you didn't, it's still like a powerful lingering shot. Yeah. Something I, 
So Sam has like pretty thick glasses and he loses this like way early. So his sight too for all of yeah. this, throwing the rocks and trying to beat him. He especially if he's like really nearsighted, especially That's a good point. I he can't that. fucking see. I mean, imagine you're like a minus six. Yeah. Imagine somebody taking your glasses off your face I and then you have see. to fight for yourself. Nope. Exactly. Couldn't couldn't do it. Yep. So that was just something like I'm That's a really eye. good note I hadn't thought I'm of. an eye and vision yeah. nerd, so I love that shit. And I noticed, like, he lost his glasses pretty early on. Mm-hmm. So he's probably also struggling just to see what's going on yeah. and how stressful. I can't imagine. I am very lucky that I don't have visual problems, and I have good visual acuity without any correction. So I can't imagine what it's like with somebody taking your glasses off your face and not being able to see. Terrifying. Yeah. So I have two facts. These are both about Robert De Niro. So he got so into this movie that he actually went to a dentist and paid a dentist $5,000 to fuck up his teeth so that he looked the part. And then after the movie was over, he went back to that dentist and paid $20,000 to fix them, to put them back. I literally couldn't imagine that kind of pain to do whatever he's going to do. So he made the dentist make his teeth crooked? And then straighten them back out again, basically. I don't know what the oh, dentist did no. exactly, but I, to fuck them up and then fix them. Ethically, can you do that? I mean, I guess you could. If Especially it's, uh, in Hollywood, I guess. I'm sure dentists probably do that shit all the time. They're probably like, oh, yeah, what movie are you on? But he Call got, me up when it's over. I mean, he was so into this movie. He went to Louisiana and just to some random little podunk town and walked down the street. And he's like, I need you to say this line in his tape recorder so that he knew how to say it later on. Wow. Yeah. And then that accent creeped out Scorsese so much that Robert De Niro would call his house and leave messages on his answering machine in Katie's voice. I love that. I love when <laughs> actors just take on these yeah. these roles because they just become he was so, so fucking into it. Hauntingly good. Yes. Like I have only I think I saw this movie twice when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Or I say kid, but like a young teenager. Twice. Mm-hmm. And it has always stayed with me. Always. And it's always been one of those movies. And I'm like, oh, my God, that movie is so good. But it's just like I just don't watch it all the time. It's not one of those movies I think about all the time. But it's a movie that has stayed with me for a really long time. Yeah. One thing that I just thought of, actually, this is kind of interesting. Scorsese, it was supposed to be Spielberg or was originally he was going to do this. And he passed on it. He, he didn't want to do something like this. So he told Scorsese, he's like, you should look into this. It'd be really good for you. And the studio actually said, we'll let you do this. But you have to do two other movies. So it was a package deal of three movies, which happens a lot in Hollywood. Yeah. That's how we get shitty ones a lot is because, like... uh, They're roped into a deal, basically. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I remember hearing that Rob Zombie had to do Halloween because he wanted to do something else. And they were like, you need to do this. But that what happened, what was roped in there was Casino, which also has Robert De Niro in it. Yeah. And I don't know anything about it, but The Last Temptation. Those were the three that were in there. And I know Casino is damn good. And this is damn good. So Scorsese did a good job. Out of yeah. The three. Yep. So th- I would probably give this one like a four, four and a half out of five. Like five out of five. Yeah. Yes. Like I'm. Thank you know you. I'm a pain in the ass. <laughs> I don't give <laughs> things a five very often. I've been wanting to watch this movie for years. Thank you, podcast, for giving me the excuse. Thank you for being like, mm-hmm. hey, we should do this one. Yeah. Because fucking loved it, and I cannot wait to see the original because I love 
black and white movies so much. Yeah. And I think it's going to be great. Has Connor, did Connor watch this with you? No, I watched it Oh, myself. you should have him watch this. I bet he'd like it. Yeah, probably. Thank you for joining us for this episode. I know it was a little bit heavier and had some heavier themes, but, you know, I think you all are horror fans and know that sometimes with horror or suspense, just pushing that, stuff. pushing that envelope you know, sometimes comes with the heavier stuff. And as you probably know us by now, or if you're new here, hi, we go on tangents sometimes that are, they're always related to what we're talking about, but it just sometimes gets a little heavier than than Mm -hmm. surface wise. And it's just us having a conversation as friends about the world. And that's what this podcast was going to be. It was us talking in our office about this and now we're going to put it out there for other people. So we hope that, you know, you're always welcome to join in on the conversation on any of our social medias or email. If you feel like there's something that you'd like to contribute, it's definitely things that we would like to talk about in future episodes. Like, Hey, going back to Cape Fear, you know, somebody made this point, but you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the extra sisters podcast. You can find us on Twitter at the extra sisters, and you can always email us at the extra sisters at gmail.com and next time they're coming for you barbara till then stay creepy counselor 